0: About, four games about. into the Steelers' 2021 season, their record is 1-3. Mike Tomlin, coached Steelers' teams, have had one win after four games three times before this season. Each of those seasons ended with a non-losing record. How far is this Steelers team from being a team that can win eight of their 13 remaining games how far away is this team from good i'm your host jeffrey benedict welcome to the cutting room floor in the first half of today's show we're going to cover the defense and then in the second half of the show we're going to cover the offense and what we're looking for in this show is is kind of we're going to cover a little bit of what the problem is but Mostly focusing on, is there hope? Is there hope that things are going to be better? Are there things that we can look at right now and say, you know what? If this team is going to get to a nine and eight season, if they're going to get to eight eight and one or better, right? Five hundred or better. Where is that going to come from? So we'll start with the defense. We'll start looking at the defensive line. The downfall of the Steelers defensive line is is pretty clear. Uh, Stefan Tuitt is out, and Tyson Alualu is out. I, instead of Stefan Tuitt, a, a Pro Bowler who had 11 sacks last year, uh, the Steelers are playing Chris Wormley. And now, in place of Tyson Alualu, who was an absolute stud as, as a number three defensive lineman, we're playing this week was Isaiah Buggs. Now, this line still has Cameron Hayward, but when you have Chris Wormley and Isaiah Bugs in, they're not threats that the other team is really that concerned with, and what we're seeing on film is any time a team wants, especially the Raiders game, the Bengals game, and now the Green Bay game, you're seeing any time they want to, they're double teaming Cameron Hayward. If all they have to do is slow Cameron Hayward down, if they're running the other way or they're moving the pocket, you know, and they're and they're they're shifting the pocket to to say T.J. Watt side or something, they'll leave Cam Hayward one on one. When that guy, all he really has to do is slow Cam Hayward down, right? And any any good guard is going to be able to slow down a defensive lineman. Cam Hayward is not, you know, an Aaron Donald. He is not that kind of devastating, you know, forward rusher. Cam Hayward is incredibly versatile, and he does good at everything he does. He does it at a very high level. Uh, but he's not going to just dominate like a Darren Donald. He's not that kind of a guy. And when he's double teamed, most of the time that shuts him down. He, he's rarely he's rarely going to be that guy who's going to uh, take on a double team and still dominate. Chris Wormley it was a really good number four guy. Like, he came in to play defensive end when Tuett or Hayward were out for a couple of plays or taking a breather. Chris Wormley would come in and play defensive end. He didn't play a lot in, you know, the, the two defensive line fronts. That wasn't his job. He was really good as the number four. As the number two defensive lineman, he's not as good. Uh, he can contain the pocket. He's solid, but he's not a penetrator. He's not a, you know, bully in the backfield, messing up your play. He's not that at all. You double team him, you're driving him wherever you want. And you can win one-on-ones against him. Right? He's not, he's gonna be smart, he's gonna make a few plays, but not enough. He's not creating problems for the offense. He's just not creating problems for your own defense. Right, if the offense focuses and says, "Hey, we need to move this guy over there," and you're going to give him help, yeah, likely he, Chris is going to get moved. Isaiah Bugs, as the number three guy, is rough. He is Alu Alu right now. He's playing that role. He plays hard. Um, he's doing a great job. Of uh, what I, I think everyone would understand uh, when I say he's he's next man upping it. Right, he's the next man up. He's filling in. He's solid against the run. He delivers, no pass rush threat, at all. None. Chris Wormley, not much either. Which means from the defensive line, what used to be to it as a as a you know just was bully in your backfield, bull in a china shop, wrecking the quarterback's pocket. Aluwalu being a guy who shrunk the pocket. You put Alu-Alu on the front line, and that quarterback is gonna have his offensive lineman just stepping back towards him constantly, right? You have that pressure from the front. That's not there anymore. That's just not there. You can shift focus away from Cam Hayward or double team Cam Hayward. Uh give give like the guy blocking Cam Hayward a good bit of help, a uh, chip on Cam Hayward, and he's gonna be okay. And you're gonna have a pocket. So this defensive line is not a strength of this team, but they can be solid if the edge rushers are a strength of that team. We've seen that too. They can be okay. They can be good enough. TJ Watt returned in this game, but he was not himself. That was not TJ Watt at 100%. Okay. Uh, The biggest sign of that for me was when, on, on one of the plays where Aaron Rodgers scrambled, he got outside and he ran away from T.J. Watt. And Watt wasn't, like it wasn't when, when Aaron Rodgers slid and gave himself up, it wasn't because of T.J. Watt chasing him down from behind, it was because of guys coming towards him. T.J. Watt didn't run him down. That's not something we're used to seeing. I mean, when Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt were out there together, you just did not get away from them. You you went outside and ran. T.J. was running you down. Bud was running you down. You didn't gain yards. Not only are we seeing quarterbacks escaping the pocket uh, when T.J. Watt wasn't there, we're seeing them do that now, and Aaron Rodgers was able to run away from T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt had two sacks in this game. He had two tackles for a lot, like, he had the fumble recovery. He played a good game, but he was not 100%. Another thing I'm used to seeing on film is T.J. Watt working well with whatever defensive lineman is on his side, uh, whether it's Tewitt or Alu-Alu. Even uh, Henry Mondo last year put up plays where him and T.J. Watt were great together on stunts. Chris Wormley and Isaiah Bugs aren't those guys. They're not those guys, so th- that's a problem. That they're not able to give TJ Watt the kind of you know two man game that TJ Watt is used to dominating. He doesn't have that right now. It's it's just him. Uh, Green Bay was concerned about his pass rush. His get off the line was still good. His 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 chasing speed wasn't all there, but the rest of it was there. Uh, and you would you'd see that Green Bay man for so much of the game was not just chipping TJ Watt with a tight end or, or a back or someone out there. They they they're not just sending someone out there to to you know bump TJ Watt. They were like blocking him, right? A, a tight end is coming out there and blocking him and then going and releasing like a full second late on their release just to slow TJ Watt down enough. And then the the you know he's sitting there looking at a pocket that's already shifted his direction. They're shifting the coverage to his side and and you've got three off three offensive linemen with, you know, either Wormley or Bugs and TJ Watt on that side. TJ's not going to do anything there. You know, he's already a second behind the play and now he's got two guys in his path. This not going to do. That's not going to work. Like they can shut him down. The rest of the pass rush really wasn't able to respond. Uh, We got a sack and another QB hit on Devin Bush blitzes, uh, which we'll get to that in a minute. But really, that part of the game wasn't there for the Steelers. T.J. Watt's pass rush. Green Bay was able to neutralize it. Uh, Highsmith and Ingram are good. They're good edges. uh, But you got to ask this question. What do they offer when T.J. Watt isn't on his game? Right? What What do they offer? Uh, Ingram's going to have those games where he just goes off, right? He's going to have plays where he's really good. He's, he's good. He's legit good. Uh, but they're, Highsmith and Ingram are going to be impactful threats as edge rushers when TJ Watt is the focus of the other teams blocking and still getting pressure. So for defensive line, like where's the hope here? Where's the hope here, defensive line and edge rushers? And really the hope is TJ Watt, go out there and be the best player on the field. That's what we need. We need TJ Watt to dominate. Uh, looking at inside linebackers, Joe Schobert is the Mac. He almost has to be. When when Joe Schobert is asked to do the buck roll, uh, it's not good. When he's asked to be the Mac, he's solid. He, he's better. Uh, Devin Bush is the guy that has to bliss. Devin Bush is the guy who has to take on blocks. And I want to be clear here. There is no Mac or Buck as a position. That's not a position you play. You you can say that in your idea. Like I can say, hey, Devin Bush is the Buck. Joe Shobert's the Mac. And what I'm saying is Joe Shobert is a better Mac than a Buck. And while Devin Bush is a better Mac than a Buck linebacker as well. He's best when he's running free. Uh, where he is right now, he's, he's limited in speed. That's that's pretty clear. Uh, Aaron Aaron Jones, the running back, uh, ran away from Devin Bush and turned the corner on him. I've never seen a running. I haven't seen some of the fastest players in the league, they get run down by him. Like, you don't outrun Devin Bush to the sideline and turn the corner. I don't care how fast you are. You're not doing that. We saw Aaron Jones do that that this game. He's not 100%. Devin Bush is not at all 100%. Uh and right now, Devin Bush is significantly better than Joe Schobert as a buck linebacker, and not significantly better than him as a Mac linebacker because of that top end speed not being there right now. But, so teams run to Joe Schobert's side. You see a lot of runs to the left side. That's towards Joe Schobert. Uh a lot of the time. It's when you see a lot of mistakes there, you see a lot of Joe Shobert and Devin Bush aren't really meshed well yet. You'll see Schobert uh, go outside when normally what the Steelers usually do, especially when they had Vince Williams and Devin Bush is if one, if the run went to the outside, the player on that side went up, right? If you, if the run goes to the left, whatever linebacker is on that side comes up and fills lanes and the other run Backer, from the far side runs outside. You know, they speed around to get outside. Uh, Schobert goes outside. Bush goes outside. Running back cuts it right up the middle. Um, we saw that a couple of times. We saw that a couple of times in this game. It's it's kind of rough. Uh, when when we thought Devin Bush was going to be 100%, I was kind of confused by the Schobert signing because I was sitting there thinking Robert Spillane's a better fit with him, right? But Bush isn't 100%. He's not there, and Joe Schobert is kind of needed, especially in coverage. We're going to have to see how that works out. Devin Bush getting healthier as the season progresses would be a big benefit to this team. Also, there's room to to hope that Joe Schobert and Devin Bush just gel together better as an inside linebacker duo uh, as the season goes on and become better through that. There's, There's hope there. At defensive back, oof. Uh, it's pretty clear with snap counts the last two weeks and on film. Uh, Arthur Millette is now the nickel back. Uh, Norwood and uh, Trey Norwood and James Pierre replace him and and are the dime two dime defensive backs. Millette does not play in dime; he plays only in nickel, and he's the the nickel back in the slot in nickel. Norwood showed good stuff in the nickel, but he's a rookie and he needs to be protected a bit. There's things he's just not good at yet, and there's ways to exploit him and attack him. Uh, in nickel, you don't aren't afforded the protection that you can get in dime. In dime, there's a lot of versatility, and he can be kind of protected and put in situations where it's harder for the other team to exploit his weaknesses, Trey Norwood's weaknesses. Um, in, in nickel, you can't do that. Millette is probably not as high-end as, as Trey Norwood right now, but he's solid. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He can counter. Plans that defense that wide receivers put in to attack him, right? He knows how to counter them. Norwood doesn't yet. Compare compare that kind of play to a to a Mike Hilton, who, even in his weak point of deep man coverage, was solid, right? And then other places he was significantly above solid, blitzing, run stopping, tackling, all above solid. Millette is just solid, right? He doesn't bring you those other strengths. Norwood gives you a deep zone defender, come in in the box in zone, can do some man defense stuff like that when you can kind of set up the matchups for him and put him in positions to succeed. He's solid, but he's no cam Sutton either, right? Sutton was the dime back. uh Sutton himself as the outside cornerback, I'm putting him roughly on on page with Steven Nelson right now. I, I, he has really shown me a lot this season outside cornerback, and he's solid. He's really good. Pierre is your number four corner coming in in dime. Uh, he plays outside. You can't hide an outside cornerback. And there are ways teams can attack him, and they do. That's a weakness. Uh To me, Minka Fitzpatrick, I, I, I really want to get the All-22 film in this game. Minka Fitzpatrick did not look good from the television view in this game. I want to make sure that you know, I'm seeing what he's actually doing and not just a few clips where he looks out of position, but he was actually doing his job, you know, and then covering for someone else or something. That happens. You know, you need the All-22 to really see what the safety is doing, what his job should be, what he's seeing, and what he's reacting to. Uh, Minka has, has not been flashy this season. You know, he doesn't just show up. There's other times he would just show up and he'd be like, wow, Minka is, is great. Not showing up like that this game. Uh, so where's, where's our hope there? Our hope there is James Pierre gets better. You know, that, that, that Norwood steadily improves in dime. I, there's not a lot of hope for this defensive backfield. We're already seeing Cam Sutton play really well. You know, uh, f- hopefully these other guys can can step up enough that Minka Fitzpatrick is able to be more free to make plays in Rome. That's what I expect to see on film is Minka Fitzpatrick kind of covering for other people. James Pierre, Trey Norwood. You know, I, I that's what I ex- kind of expect to see on film. Uh, we'll, I'm going to check that out as, as the All-22 comes out later this week. And maybe we will be talking about that next week. On this show, or there may be a film room about it. Who knows? Depending on how good or bad it is. Uh, but right now, we're going to take a break. Uh, the take the chief takeaways from the first half: Devin Bush getting healthy, TJ Watt getting healthy. This defense is not going to make drastic strides of improvement. I don't. I don't see room for that. I don't see room where they're going to be the 2019, 2020, or even the week one version of this defense. Teams have figured out some of the, some of the things they were doing there and they're going to, Uh, but getting TJ Watt healthy, getting Devin Bush healthy and Devin Bush and Joe Schobert playing better together. Those are, those are my keys on offense. That's how you get this on defense. Sorry. This is how you get this defense from where they are now to being a good defense. And I don't, think we're gonna see this Steelers defense get back to great this season I, I don't think that's realistic especially with Alu Alu and and to its situations where they're they don't seem to be they're they're not coming back anytime soon here people uh so I, I I don't have a lot of hope for a big improvement on this defense so we'll take a break uh and after that we're gonna talk about the offense Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Each time at this part of the show, I like to talk about one of the shows I've enjoyed, uh, one of the shows I think is is interesting and and worth your time. This week, I want to focus on Tony DeFeo, and the Friday night six pack. The Friday night six pack can be listened to on any podcast platform where you find behind the steel curtain shows. Uh, It will be, it comes out every Saturday. But in my opinion, the best experience, if you can do it, is when the show is originally broadcast on YouTube, 9 p.m. Friday nights, where Tony DeFeo comes in, interacts with people in the chat, discussing the Steelers with you and getting you ready for another week of Steeler football in this rough season that we've had so far. uh, The six pack six pack is a, is a nice reality check driven slice of what I would call fan therapy. Tony has always done a great job of capturing that line between unfounded hope and crushing despair. That seems to make up 90% of Steelers fans and reactions and Steelers coverage. Uh, anymore. So grab grab a bottle of your favorite six-pack from your favorite six-pack and come talk Steelers with Tony DeFeo every Friday night, 9 p.m. on the BTSC Radio YouTube channel. Now on to the second half of this show, The Cutting Room Floor, we're going to look at the offense. And my I'm sure you're not getting tired of this joke at all, but my, how offensive this offense is. Whew. Let's start with the offensive line. Joe Heg came in against Cincinnati, replacing Chukwum Okorafor, and did not play well. In this game, his second game filling in for Chukwum Okorafor, he played significantly better. And the Steelers line as a whole played better in what was, in my opinion, easily Their best game of the season. You saw the center of the line got pushed. We converted a third and short with a run up the middle. Najee Harris wasn't getting hit in the backfield on 70% of his runs. The offensive line is improving. They have not reached good yet. Remember, that the theme of this show is how far are we away from good, right? How far is this team away from good? The offensive line isn't there yet. But... I'm starting to have hope, especially with this game, that they might get there. That by the end of this season, you're not going to have an offensive line that we're hoping can just be okay. But we might have an offensive line that is approaching or has arrived at good. A line that not just, you know, has to be overcome like it is right now. It's been a line that that Najee has had to overcome, that Ben Roethlisberger has been trying to overcome. But a line that can help drive the engine of the offense and be an asset to this team. There is hope for this line. We're going to go right to Najee Harris. Oh, man. If you're not enjoying watching Najee Harris play football, I don't know what to tell you. He is great, he's the best player on this offense. And really, for the for, for looking at the outlook, can the Steelers be good? Can they get to good? Being a good team. Najee Harris is a huge factor in that. He's already driving this offense. If the offense around him gets better, he's going to be even more dangerous. I heard people complaining that the Steelers didn't run enough in this past game. Well, I don't have a problem with that because... The Steelers' focus for Najee Harris isn't for him to improve. It's for him to be healthy. It's for him to be on the field and able to still play at a high level late in this season when this team is is hopefully – I mean, we have to have hope. If you don't have any hope, what are we doing? Let's just cash it in, right? If we're hoping for this team to improve, we need Najee Harris to be going strong late in the season. So I am perfectly okay with limiting his carries, limiting his touches. He's currently on pace for 233 carries this season. And he hasn't ran a ton. He hasn't been running a ton of times in these football games. And he's on pace for 233 carries in this season. Only six running backs. Since the AFL-NFL merger for the Steelers have had those 233 carries in a season. And it's a list of our... Starting, you know, full season starter running backs. It's Franco Harris. It's one time with Barry Foster. It's Jerome Bettis, Willie Parker, Richard Mendenhall, Le'Veon Bell. That's it. James Conner never hit 233 carries in a season. Najee Harris is right now on pace for that. So he has been getting the ball. Not as, like, you may think we're not running that much. And that's just carries, that's not catches. That's not targets or catches. That's just rushes. So we're on pace. Okay, you you don't want to be above the pace they're at right now, unless you're closing out a win, unless you're really needed to win a game, right? We do, we should not be running if we're down. You know, get he can be involved in the passing game. That's fine, but you don't run down your first round pick and in a and win a game where you're three scores down just because it's the only thing on offense that's working. Uh the problem with Najee Harris is there's still no one behind him. Benny Snell is not the answer. Um I brought this up in my snap count breakdown. Uh Benny Snell is a guy who needs to get going. He needs a lot of he needs a lot of touches he needs to be a focus to really get going. Uh and he's not worth the focus. So yeah, Benny Snell. I don't know. Kalen Ballage saw a few snaps. Maybe there's something going in that direction. Uh there's hope that we could get, you know, uh McFarland back. Anthony McFarland, he could return and provide a spark. There's a chance, you know, not, not a big one. I do want to make a scheme note on Najee Harris. I'm hearing a lot of people complain about Najee Harris getting, you know, we're designing a play to Najee Harris where he's in the backfield catching the ball on fourth and whatever, or on third and ten. Najee Harris doesn't get kept in the block because he's not very good at it right now as a rookie. As a receiver, he draws attention. Even as just a decoy, you have to account for him on defense. He brings more value slipping out into the flat than he ever does as a blocker. As a blocker picking up a blitz, he's not very good. As a person flowing out into the flat... Well, if you're blitzing and he's open, he's incredibly dangerous. And if he's flying out there and you're covering him, you're bailing on your blitz to cover him. So he negates a blitz. Right? He almost he turns blitzing into a positive. If he's in a route, he, he makes it good for the Steelers for the teams to blitz the Steelers. When he's in the pocket blocking, not so much. So he goes out there. The Steelers send him out there because he's a rookie. He's got some incredible strength when he's out there, you know, he's an incredible asset to the team when he's out there as a receiver or as a runner. When he's a blocker, he is not an asset. He's a liability. So he's going out on those routes because you don't want him staying in the block. That doesn't mean the play is designed for him. All right? We'll get we'll get we'll get around to that when we cover a specific other player on the offense. But let's move on to the tight ends. Uh, Tight ends were four, had four receptions between the three tight ends. Pat Firemuth, Eric Ebron, and Zach Gentry, they had four receptions on four targets for 29 yards. That's sad. That's awful. They need to be involved more. Pat Firemuth had one target. Zach Gentry had one target. Eric Ebron had two targets, but for only eight yards. No drops. You know, just two targets for eight yards for Eric Ebron. Come on, guys. This is like... A tight end position where Eric Ebron is the number two could be a good asset to this team. Pat Fryermuth is a talent. You know, we need to get them more involved. Real quick on the receivers. Uh, We've seen some good stuff from our wide receivers. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju. They make plays. I want you to ask yourself, because at the same time that we see some good stuff from them, the numbers aren't very good and the offense isn't very good. So what's going on? I want you to ask yourself this. How many times this season have you seen a receiver have a ball, hit him in his chest, and he drops it? Not, not much. How many times have you seen incompletions that are out of reach or the receiver has to fight through a defender to get to the ball or the ball is thrown at someone's feet? This last game, I counted three times on like a second and five, a third and five, I think it was a third and four, where the ball was thrown like a quick out route. The receivers there, one was Juju, uh, one was with, De- with Deontay Johnson. I think there was another one to Juju and maybe one to uh, maybe one to James Washington, where the ball is thrown at their feet or in front of their feet, it hits the ground on an out route where they're running one yard past the sticks and the ball is like, Ben's throwing it and it's landing on the yard line that where, where we pick up a first down that's not on the receivers, you know? That's To me, that's not on the receivers. The ball has to actually get to them. Maybe they didn't run a perfect route, but if the, if the quarterback is throwing after they've turned, after they've made their break, the ball has to go to them. You know, rely on them to catch the ball, lead them a bit. Not We're seeing balls constantly thrown behind guys, into the defense, or at their feet. We're rarely seeing balls on target right now. We saw a great throw down the sideline to Deontay Johnson. And he made a touchdown on that play. A lot of times the defense is taking those passes away because they know that's a pass Ben Roethlisberger can hit still. And that's where we're going to switch to the quarterback position. Ben Roethlisberger still trusts his arm to make those throws to the sideline. Those lob passes to the sideline, receiver gets open. Hey, maybe you get a shot like Deontay Johnson. Maybe you get... This where Deontay scored a touchdown this week. Maybe you get Chase Claypool, you know, fighting and flipping backwards and, and coming down with a, a contested catch. Maybe you get one of those. But it's still a low percentage throw, but it's one of the few Ben Roethlisberger is actually taking and putting, you know, where a receiver can make a play. We need other throws to be hit. Those short throws, the first down throws, you got to hit those. Put those on the receiver. Make the receiver drop it. Don't throw it at his feet. Make them drop a ball that's thrown at their chest. Make them, you know, make them make the play. Don't don't make them try and don't give them a throw where it's like, hey, if you make a absolutely great catch, maybe we'll get a first down here. Ben Roethlisberger is not playing well right now, and the question isn't, you know, how good is Ben. The question to me is, is there hope? That's what this show is about. Is there hope? And on the offense, we're talking about tight ends. We're talking about receivers. We're talking about putting Najee Harris in situations to succeed more. We're talking about an offensive line that is slowly improving. And the question is, is there hope for Ben Roethlisberger? And the situation I see where Ben Roethlisberger comes back to being an asset for the Steelers offense is a very specific one. Ben has to get comfortable. He's going to need time. The offensive line is going to have to get from where they are now all the way to good, right? You got to get there. He's going to have to start making throws that he's not even trying right now. He's going to have to see the field better. He's going to have to stop those little, like, snap the ball. I think a blitz is coming, so I just wheel and throw it to Najee out in the flat, no matter what the down and distance is. I'm just dumping it to Najee Harrison. Hoping that he can pull out a miracle, because that's what Ben's doing. That's when we're talking about. That's what that's what the problem is on those plays. The Steelers are putting Najee out there because he's not a blocker. You've got to put him out of the pocket, or the team other team is just going to be freer to blitz and rush without Najee Harris being a really good blocker because he's not right now. Ben's just throwing those passes to him. He's out there because we don't want him in the pocket and we can design pass plays and say, okay, if he's over there, we can play off of that. And Ben's just wheeling and throwing it to him. Boom, right away. Bam, right to him. Why? Because he's not comfortable. He's not okay standing in there. Taking hits to make throws. He can't take those hits. His arm is not good right now. He took a hit to his arm last game. His arm wasn't good this game. He made one really good throw. And a lot of not good throws. If Ben Roethlisberger can get some comfort, if he is seeing and reading the field better and not just, you know, kind of panicking, like he was last season. We saw that when he didn't have time last season. He was doing the same thing he's doing right now. If he's then hitting those throws, then this offense is good. This offense can be good. And maybe even an offense can carry this team to wins if the defense struggles. (sighs) That's your hope for the team getting to good with Ben. The other question is, can they get there with a Mason Rudolph? They're not going to go to Dwayne Haskins. This offense is still an offense designed for Ben Roethlisberger. And what we saw in the preseason is Dwayne Haskins is not a quarterback that can run an offense designed around Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't think you have time, even with a bye week, to change this offense enough to fit Dwayne Haskins for him to have success. I still think we're looking at if Dwayne Haskins is going to be the quarterback of this team or even has a shot to be the quarterback of of the future for this team, he's going to need an offseason. Where Matt Canada dials up an offense for him and designs it around his talents. So to me, it's ben, it's ben or Mason. It's Ben Roethlisberger or Mason Rudolph? Can this offense be good? Can this team get to being a good team with Mason Rudolph at quarterback? And I want to go back to 2019 when this offense was an okay offense with Mason Rudolph. And the one hope we have this season, first off, uh, Deontay Johnson isn't a rookie anymore. Mason Rudolph and Juju Smith-Schuster were really good together. Really good together. Juju Smith-Schuster was on pace for an 1,100-yard season before his injuries in 2019. And then when when Devlin Hodges came in, him and Juju, I mean, he couldn't throw a ball to Juju to save his life. All of a sudden, James Washington was the man, and Juju Smith-Schuster, the quarterback, couldn't get a ball to Juju Smith-Schuster when Devlin Hodges was in. But Mason Rudolph and Juju were good together. Mason Rudolph and Chase Claypool have a chance to be good. I really think with Mason Rudolph, this offense, the passing game could be okay to, to just below good, right? I think they can get there. And the and at that point, your hope is with the target you have at tight end, with the target you have at receiver, and a quarterback who is able to, you know, manage the game and make a few deep shots, take a few deep shots a game. You know who you have? You have Najee Harris. If Najee Harris and the talent on offense have a quarterback who can be decent to good. This offense will be good, again, assuming the D offensive line gets to being good, right? And I think they can. At that point, yeah, you could get there with Mason Rudolph. I still think you're the real the real hope at being a good team, a team that could, you know, if if things fall right and hum, somehow they sneak in as the last spot in the playoffs, be a team that could scare somebody. Uh, I still think that's Ben. If we're getting to 9 and 8, I think our best shot is Ben. I think if if he doesn't get there though, it's time to switch to Rudolph and hope hope the rest of the offense can really come together and lead this team because there's a lot of talent out there. Well, that's our hopes. I mean, there is there is a chance for this for this team to be good. It relies on a couple of players on defense getting healthy, and it really, really relies on the continued development and improvement of this offensive line and the Steelers finding some solid to good play at quarterback. Because right now, that is their, to my, in my opinion, has overtaken the offensive line as the biggest problem on this team. I want to thank you for hanging out with me here and listening to my show. This has been The Cutting Room Floor. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Have a good day, people. Let's go, Steelers.